I always want to ask you about, uh, talk to you about, about the world days, man. So you were not on SMA, you were on World Industries, correct? Yes. Yeah, just right as that change was happening, because Mike, when Mike got first got on, it was technically SMA World Industries, um, and I got some free boards, but by the time I like made it to California, it was simply World Industries. See, a lot of people don't know that. A lot of people don't know it used to be SMA World Industries. Oh, it was. It's kind of a complicated deal. Like, I don't know that. Um, I don't know that. At first, um, Rocco had the confidence, or maybe even the connections. He was like the Sims team manager, the venture team manager. But I think like World was his first venture into his own brand. He kind of got tied in with Skip and Jesse Martinez, and that sort of was his backing. But then he quickly, you know, moved into his own area and i don't know how those conversations went or what you know but uh, <laughs> he eventually dropped the sma by, on, you know by, behind the world industries and the original logos um and went his own way did mike hook you up with that when mike was over there is that how that happened yeah yeah you know i mean i always um as much as i love shut was my family you know what i mean everybody barker you know i used to go stay with these guys and travel up and down the east coast and whatever we had no iPhones. We were using fucking maps and like payphones and nope. going up the coast. Um, but I'd always kind of catch flack on like, oh, you're just you're just Rod's little brother. Like you didn't really have to get on, you know. <laughs> that always got under my skin, you know. I was like, fuck, man. Like, you know, I'd, I'd start to doubt myself. Like maybe they're right. So when I got a chance to sort of like break out on my own, and and Mike was like kind of a proponent of me, Felix, and Billy leaving because he was told that he could basically put whoever he wanted on the world team. Like, that was part of the, the, the part of the deal of getting him away from Powell was like, dude, you can do everything. You can do your own graphics. You can get your own team riders. You do whatever you want. And, uh, and so Mike, uh, you know, with that power was like, oh, I'm going to hook up Billy, Felix, and Dune. Year, you know, six months or so of like, you know, like convincing everybody that I didn't, it wasn't for, for anything they did wrong or anything. It was just me wanting to like break out of my shell and get legitimately sponsored by somebody else if I could. I was on flow for world and then mike began filming all of his stuff for uh, rubbish heap and i was just along for the ride um and actually the, the there's like footage of us I think 23rd street banks i think they're called but they were called do you remember the footage of the bank to jersey barrier yes yes okay gons had an old pivot photo on there i have some Me, footage of you on that that was like you know that was like four or five in the afternoon and i had had tickets to see prince play at the garden with my sister um but spike jones was in town filming mike and basically was like yeah dude come along you know whatever mike was like come along and so it turned out into this whole day of skating around the city with mike with spike jones filming us and this was like before people even used video cameras really you know what i mean like that was like you know being shot on like you know, film, you know, legitimate, like, whoa, someone's got a camera? 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, I had known who Spike was, and I knew the sort of window of opportunity. So I actually called my mom in enough time to get for my sister to be like, where's Chris? And I called my mom like four or five, and I'm like, tell Deb I can't make it. I canceled Prince because I was like, dude, these next two to three hours could potentially like make or break what I do in life with skateboarding. <laughs> you know, yep. <laughs> um, as crazy as it was. And I, I hung up that phone and then I filmed that footage on that bank. And it's always like a moment of like, fuck, I missed Prince, but <laughs> God knows when the next time I would have been able to like film with Spike Jones while I lived at my mom's in New Jersey. Did so, you know who Spike um, was at that time too? Yes, I, I did. I did. I, I'd heard his name and, you know, he shot for Transworld and stuff. So I, I knew who he was, you know, and I knew the, the, the gravitas of it or whatever, but it was hard to explain to anybody else. My sister was super pissed off. What I always thought was really cool with Spike is if you were a skate nerd like myself and probably 90% of the people that skateboarded back then, if you saw Spike Jones' photo, you could, in two seconds, you could point it out. You knew exactly, you knew his photos. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, for, that's for what, sure. you know, well, you know, there's plenty, but the only person that like comes to mind with that because of his passing and pulling up the old images, oh, Yep. Oh, had really good timing like Spike. A lot of guys took street skating. Like, I'm sure you noticed, they, they took a lot of their photos early. You know, like, as someone's taking off, as someone's pocket popping a kickflip, mm -hmm. as someone's getting into a tail slide. And that shit never, it kind of looks like garbage to, a, you know, a, a modern-day skateboarder. You know what I mean? Um, but it's the people that could capture, like, a nose-blown slide just as it's in the right exact place and about to touch down on a plastic bench. You know, or like Jeremy Klein and catch like, you know, get his backside flip at the highest point of this flick or whatever. And there was only a few dudes that really could do that. That's what made skateboarding, I'm sorry, so much more doper back in the day is because there were so many more photographers, so many more spots. You know, you weren't just seeing the same ramps, the same contests and things like that. So these guys were wide open and they were experimenting with like photography, yeah. you know. So yeah, and, and they weren't afraid, man. Like Spike would do some nutty shit and, you know, like just to get a shot. And, and same with O, you know, honestly, like O would like get underneath people. You know, if you see like, you'll, you'll see like photos where like you know someone else took a photo, but O's like underneath the dude on the coping. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, people weren't thinking like that back then. I remember yeah. seeing the, uh, the I think it was a the photo of um the Gons Ollie in the barricade, and mm. he had a, he had a York peppermint patty shirt on, and a, yeah. and Spike shot well, it. I, I actually think I was there that day. Dude, I, the that is one that is one of my favorite photos. Ever. You know, like, like, and it, and it's just an Ollie photo, but it's like, I don't know something about that photo is possibly yeah, one of my. Went down in Santa Monica at the beach, right? Yes, one hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Dork. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's that's the one. And it's, that, that was uh, that was uh, Mark Lumen, this guy. It was like a creative um, group of guys um, that like, it was like Spike, Mark Lumen, Andy Jenkins. And um, one or two other heads sort of in their crew, but they they did, uh, I think the magazine was BMX Plus, maybe? They did, like, a BMX magazine first, and then they did, like, um, a, an action sports, like, BMX and skate magazine, and then eventually, you know, a couple of those guys just moved all over to skate. Like, Spike can get on a BMX bike and fucking shred. Like, he surprised me sometimes. Like, I'll just jump on a bike, back to the old world bike, 
world park if someone came with a bmx bike he could like do air transfers and like i think he could do bar spins like he was what (laughs) (laughs) little known fact it's wcrp back to like that whole like day with spike like you know I embellish it a bit. I mean, you know, it's not like, oh, I would have never. But, you know, it was a like, honestly, I could I could sense it was a once in a lifetime opportunity, you know? Yes. And uh, and I had never skated that spot. So to do like a board side to fakie and land off a barrier into a fucking sketchy ass bank with with glass and bus bum piss yes. at the bottom <laughs> was like me fucking putting my heart and soul. In, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, shit, man. I just slammed on human feces on a bigger screen that was the first time i specifically remember seeing any east coast skateboarder like in a video like that you know what i mean like on on like that on like a, in a video like that like i just don't remember you know like i remember seeing the new york shit with that and i was like yo man like damn people are, <laughs> not like people are skating up there but i was like damn people are filming in new york city <laughs> yeah yeah i mean powell did a good job of including new york and early stuff that's probably the only thing that did it prior to world you know but um the new york section and and christian Asoy was ironically enough the first person to ollie the wall um really i was actually oh yeah 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 christian did it before even any of the locals um what and i i happened to be there there that day and it was like yeah me rodney i can't remember who what was it harry jumanji and uh, ian Fromm. They were these two local like legends, right? Harry Jumanji's in Brazil now, still skates. Great guy, hangs out with Pedro Barros and that, all those guys. And uh, um, him and I believe him and Ian used to always went pushing from underneath the bridge and just had that you know transition skill to just fly right over because the the top of the bank was round, you know. There was no like perfect takeoff point, you know yeah. what I mean? Like like you could every time you you hit your tail it felt slightly different because it was round so the street guys struggled with it for a while you know because it's like whoa i don't dolly at the end do i at the beginning do i before it starts like curving <laughs> and Kristen just was like i don't know Holmes. whoa yeah, yeah. <laughs> i love and christian Asoy, dude popped an ollie over the thing and we were dumbfounded i dumbfounded. wonder who has the foot someone have footage of that i had no idea um there, I, I believe there's a foot fo- i don't know if that's the exact date but there is a photo of him flying over the wall from like 86 and that same session um he was with there's they they wound up in the city for a couple days and it was when powell went to new york so like mike's in there and then there's a little bit of footage of like um maybe even before mike's first part for powell do you remember there was like those guys bombing through chinatown um yes yes mcgill and then somehow hackett and olsen mixed (laughs) in one of the days and i remember seeing hackett olsen there and they were like they were like straight rock star dudes with leather jackets and like you know like chain wallets and like i i I didn't know who these dudes were i i they were they looked like grown-ass men you know i was just like Yo, who are these cats, man? They look like the biker club or something. <laughs> you know, they were all cool and slick back hair and shit. And I was just like observing, like, wow, I've never seen seen anybody like I had never seen any rock stars in skateboarding before before that moment. So when you first got out to Cali, like, 
What what were you staying with Mike and those guys, or you did you go straight into filming? Yeah, yeah? my dad moved out in '84, um, not far from where I live now, uh, in Mount Washington and in, in, in the neighborhood Highland Park, and um, he basically moved to like the side of a dirt hill into like a little cabin, basically, and you had to like hike down the side of the hill about a half mile to get to like a, a liquor store. And the neighborhood right below the hill was gang infested and all day and all night, gunshots, gunshots, gunshots. And sometimes I'd be like, fuck, I wonder if one's ever going to make it up here and like fly through the window. <laughs> Eventually at some point happened because we were like right above the ghetto, but to go to the store, you had to go to the ghetto. And yeah, my dad brought this, bought this pr- small property on the, on the back end of a hill. I think it was like, Twenty, thirty thousand dollars, you know. But probably, I don't, you know, I have no idea where my dad's finances are now. But you know, probably it's, it's probably not a, a, a meal easy just for the view, you know. Um, but yeah, it's crazy, man. So I came out in '84, and I expected to see a lot more skaters. So I borrowed Rodney Smith's. Yeah, he gave me a Sim Sim Screamer, like the old. Remember the, the screaming face on the black blackboard? It's like purple blue and white screamer i might have been um, before my time i started in 86 okay, probably it was like an 84 yeah it was an 83 84 so 84 okay. i had that board it was kind of kind of rod's like secondary setup so he let me borrow it and i was skating around like highland park and i didn't see any skaters not at all and then finally one day you know we're like 45 minutes from the beach here on my side of town um and we went to the beach and i like you know, my dad put a towel down and I skated up and down the boardwalk frantically looking for skaters. Like, I know it. I know they're here. I seen the videos, you know, <laughs> like, where are they? But, you know, it's crazy. I spent that whole trip without knowing any skaters and without basically running into another skateboarder. It's WCRP. But for me, skating down like the Venice, you know, uh, pier and, you know, up and down the sidewalk, the beach path, that was cool enough. You know, I'd had my California experience. It was obviously undocumented or anything. But um, and then I came back with Mike in like 86, I want to say. So I was 84. I came back with Mike a year or two later. And um, and oh, man, then it was just like carte blanche. Stayed with Nottis um skated with julian stranger i skated like uh what is it um venice high school banks with like Nottis, julian what? um fucking you name it man jesse eric dressen we skated with eric d a bunch we bombed the hill up by uh the getty museum with uh Nottis and, and eric d and um and it was crazy because like one of the cool things of that whole experience was like shut had just come out and there was like shut fist stickers and uh these stickers of uh, a guy the street posse guy right okay he was like a thug dude with a bunch of bats and a skateboard or whatever and um some of those cats had shut stickers on their boards like they were fans you know the shut vibe was very heavy duty you know it was like it, it, i i compare it to in all due respect i compare it to like a new york dog town you know okay like it was rough around the edges you know it was like this is our shit you know, like the graphics were like pretty much graffiti. Every everybody on the team was, you know, like you know, kind of diverse in some way or another. And um, and it was like, you know, 
when we traveled up and down the East Coast, it was like, oh, shit, the Shrek dudes are here. Sheffy gets out of the car. Kepper gets out of the car. Felix gets out of the car. They start ollieing over everything in sight. Sheffy starts going 10 feet high off the jump off the fucking launch ramp. Like, people were scared of the Chef team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like a fraction. I was like, I came up to like Sheffy's waist. And Sheffy came over and he was like, hey, you're off the shot. Sheffy. <laughs> and um, kind of took me under his wing. And we actually like, we actually, shortly after I met him, we, we hitchhiked from New Jersey to Ocean City, Maryland. I think how crazy this is to the Ocean City skate park. And I can't even believe, like, my mom let me go. I, mean, I probably told her I had a ride. I haven't, you know, but, like, we basically just hitchhiked, dude. And and I wasn't really that scared because, you know, cars would pull over and she would be like, hey, where are you going? <laughs> it took more than one day. Like, you know, we, like, slept on the sidewalk more than once. Um that was kind and, of a uh, thing, man. You know, like a yeah. lot of people need to hear that kind of stuff because, you know, if you weren't on the Greyhound, it was, I don't know how, I don't know, man, even, even, because this is before my time. So, Jack you know. convinced me, but he was like, yeah. He, yeah. Saying, he got up from DC to New York by hitchhiking a few times. So he was like, oh, man, well, yeah. Like, I'm like, wow, I trust Sheffy. No one's going to fuck with us with him. Man, it's so crazy how much people used to hitchhike back in the day. You know what I'm saying? Like, like especially yeah. like the Northwest guys, too. You know, I'm sure, I'm sure up northeast, but northwest, oh, like man. Boston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, it was that's wild to think about. You know, even being that young and being on, just being that. Would you, would you put your kid on a greyhound at like at 15 years old? No. Like, <laughs> I got lucky. I got lucky because my mom, actually, Rodney was my grandmother. I started staying with his family from the time I was three months old, old on, like on and off, you know. And um, so my mom trusted Rod and my mom met Mike and trusted Mike. So because, you know, Mike was like free product and I didn't have to buy boards. She didn't have to spend any money. And I was, for, you know, I, she knew I wasn't like doing drugs on a corner street somewhere. I was like skating fucking Virginia Beach, tra skating Trashmore with Mike V, bumming rides to go to you know skate this vert ramp in North, two towns over. Um, so yeah. And, and skating, you know, like back then there wasn't a whole lot of partying. We were all so fucking young. You know, it's like kind of before we even knew what the how to party, you know, and so, it was. Um, and, and you know what I say about you know what I say about those times back then, which I think is really great. And a lot of people don't really think about we the older the older cats back then, man, they were really good at kind of keeping us in check, you know, as yeah. far as partying and all that kind of stuff like. Yes. They weren't allowing. They weren't allowing a lot of stuff to even come near us. You know, like it was yeah. like you weren't invited to the party. You would. You didn't know where the party was. You know, and if you did, you know, the old heads be like, "Dude, get out of here." It wasn't accepted like it is. You know how, how it's been the last twenty, thirty years. You know, it's not. It wasn't openly accepted. I'm actually very thankful for that. I don't know. We had how a lot. We had a lot of mentors and some of the best mentors ever. You know. Yes. And, and like Mike V. I mean, you know he. He, you know, I, I give him a lot of credit, man. If it wasn't for him, I don't know, you know, if I would have followed the same path. Rodney Smith as well, you know, it's like he mentored a, a ton of people, you know, like Bruno Musso as well, old shut, like co-owner. You can kind of tell the guys that were, that came up pretty good. You can kind of tell the guys that were just kind of thrown in the ring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, nah, because we, dude, early on, you know, like, we had this hookup through, like, Eli Gessner and, I think, Bruno or whatever. 
But um, we had this hookup at this, I think it was called, well, I think it was called Mars. It was either Mars or Milk because there was both. I think it was Mars, though. And they built a mini ramp in a cage in the middle of this crazy ass, like, party slash rave in New York City that went until, like, 6 a.m. So, you know, we're, like, 15, something like that, and we're we're crashing this, you know, we're, like, gate crashing this thing through Eli or, you know, Beasley, this other cat, the rest in peace, that kind of helped formulate shut. But, you know, we're, we're getting into these, these club scenes, and easy, but, like, people would see, you know, early on, and, like, oh, Keith Herring, you know. Basquiat might have been passed by this point, but definitely, like, you know, people be like, I saw any, um, whatever, like Andy Warhol in the corner or like, you know, Nick Cage or whatever, like all these celebrities there. We were just oblivious, man. We were just like skating a, a ramp in a cage. It's WCRP. So, yeah, going on to stereo, dude, um, I've always wanted to talk to you about this. Um, yeah. This is just something, um, I, I guess recently, what's, Tashan, is that his name? Tashan, Tashan, I don't want to get his name right. Tashan. The kids. Uh, New York City? New York City. Yeah. He recently had, a, I think he had a thing come out, and he was saying something about uh, black-inspired companies or something, and um, <laughs> I just found it, like, I, I didn't want to take the moment to shit on the dude, you know what I mean? And I would yeah. never take a moment sure. to shit on a young brother that's coming up or anything like that, but I was like, does he kind of know anything about stereo and jazz music? <laughs> you know, I know. Just... he's the crown. I was like, I had to tell my social media guy, I was like, let's cut back on the crown usage just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't even know we've been using this logo for 20 years. And not even that, but I'm just like. Like, like King Skateboards with a crown. I'm like, mm, you never seen the, the stereo crest? Yeah. Like... <laughs> it's not. That's what I'm saying. I'm well, just like, maybe he just maybe doesn't know. You know, like, maybe he just doesn't know. And, like, like that's what I was I like. Instead of shitting on him or something like that, like, yeah. you can take the time to, like, you know, teach I him. Kind of, that a lot with the contest circuit, with, like, the broadcast stuff, you know? Like, I never, I never like, expect. It's never a prerequisite that people I interview or, you know, whatever know who I am and my background, you know? Yes. For me, it's like. It's part of being a good journalist, you know? It keeps me on my toes. I'm like, sometimes I'm more stoked when, you know, I work with skaters who have no idea what the fuck I've, I've done and a production team that just thinks I'm some talking head professional host guy, you know? And you go through the whole event without, like, resting on your laurels, so to speak, and then, you know, some fucking, you know, uh, producer that's never really worked on a skate show is like, great job! That means a lot to me, you know? Because I'm like, wow, okay, all right. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> Getting hired for something totally, you know, foreign to what I've grown up doing and like, you know, getting credit for, you know, doing it well. Because I remember Rowan Zarilla like kind of side gave me like the side eye look and and I overheard um, Griffin team manager at the time like, Do you, don't you know how that dude is, man? You ever heard of stereo? And he was kinda like, Oh no. And Jesus. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> A bunch of those kids started watching stereo videos. I don't know how often, but you know, they had like video night at Cantor's that the Kibitz room or whatever. Yes. And the kids were super hyped on visual sound and tin tank can folklore. I don't know exactly which kids, but like the Supreme kids, you know? 
And, um, but that was, yeah, that, uh, and, and Rick and Buddy told me about that. They're like, yo, I just want you to know, man, this is probably six, seven years ago, maybe eight years ago. You know, they're like, yeah, those kids were watching, the screen kids were watching stereo videos and were super blown away. And, uh, and that feels good, you know? And like certain times, like skaters will be like, dude, Tin Can Folklore. And it's funny because that's the one a lot of the newer kids like because it's like super makeshift, you know? A visual sound is all polished and, kind of had a theme that we carried throughout and you know we, we shot 16 super 8 million really developed the photos while crisp you know by the time we got to um to tin can folklore i just wanted to put out like a freaking four track video you know like i wanted it to be lo-fi and just gritty and like you know i was living in the mission at the time so i was like i wanted it to just be raw and just totally different you know from a visual sample so what, well, how did you end up going with the name Stereo and stuff like that? I've always wanted to ask you that. Yeah, we, we were, we, um, we, uh, we did blue skateboards before Stereo, yes. Jason and I. Well, that um, was out of I, vision, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, okay, so like, kind of a long story, but, you know, I had, I had, um, you know, like some of the guys that I grew up with, like Mike was moving on from, from World. Jesse Martinez was, you know, moving on from world. You know, uh, Jeff Hartzell was was kind of being, you know, I wouldn't say ushered out, but they were just growing in a different direction. And Rodney got really um, involved. Rodney Mullen got really involved and really had this vision of, like, where he was going to take World Industries with, like, being technically revolutionary, you know, um, which, of course, he did an amazing job at and changed skateboarding. Um, but me and like Felix and Mike coming up from like pure East coast, you know, I was like, I skated a cheap, cheap skates was a warehouse two and a half hours from my house. I skated there four nights a week on like a 32 foot wide vert ramp, you know, like I, I, I couldn't do a nollie flip to save my life, but I could launch over a hip like nobody's business or do <laughs> like a lip side fifth grind on any size of ramp anywhere. And, um, and it was funny cause like, the first the first tours we did with Rodney at the helm, he wasn't he, he either didn't want us to or wasn't really encouraging us to skate. Like we'd show up at a skate park and they'd have a mini ramp, a vert ramp, a street course. Rodney very much wanted us to skate the street course. And like me being who I was or growing up from the East Coast, I'd be just as likely to throw on my knee pads and skate the vert ramp. Or be like, oh yo, that fucking uh whatever, the skate park in Connecticut has like a sick hip. You know, I'm just going to skate that, you know, and then there'd be this whole other demo going on the yeah. side of the park. <laughs> okay. And, and that's where, you know, I mean, Rodney, you know, I mean, found arguably the best skater in the world in day one, you know, um, and Shiloh was like, came up right under me, you know, and was like, to be honest, way, way better of a street skater than I was, you know, and, um, and so it just, you know, there was all these kids coming up, um, and I, I just saw the writing on the wall, you know, like me and Mark McKee hung out because he lived in Venice and he was the artist. And he was like, yeah, man, there's some shit going down in the world. Like, I don't know. You know, you don't want to like start thinking about what's next. And I was kind of like, fuck, dude, that was so fast. I was only pro for like a year or two. Thinking like, what am I going to do? Am I going to go back to college? Am I going to go back to New Jersey? Am I going to like try to get on world or I mean, I mean, not sorry. Not, I'm not going to try to get on New Deal with Mike because he left for New Deal. And I said, like, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. And, um, and I had heard 
Christian Klein, who used to shoot Power Edge magazine. Yes. Um, the, the photo editor or whatever. He had somehow gotten a hold of me and was like, hey, um, I hear you are out, you know, may not, no longer be riding for World. Um, Brad is looking to start some new brands. And I was like, Brad who? He's like, Dorfman. I'm like, Dorfman? Like, word? Like, I rode for VS, VS and Streetwear prior, so I was like aware of it. I was like, damn, that's, that's pretty legit. I was like, all right. And he's like, yeah, you, you guys can come up with a name, you know, the team. I fucking cold called Heath Kirchhart back then. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I, feel like straight, I found his like sponsoring video buried in vision and was like, hey, Heath. It's like, yeah. I'm like, hey, this is my name's Chris Pastris. Me and Jason Lear started a company. You want to ride for us? He's like, yeah. I'm like, okay. Like, as we set him boards. A week or two goes by. I call him back. I'm like, Heath, you get to boards? He's like, um, yeah, you know what, Chris? Um, I'm gonna ride for Tony Hawk. He's um he's actually coming to my house right now to pick me up, take me to San what? Diego. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, oh snap! I can't fuck like I can't top that one. You know? <laughs> wow. It's WCRP. And so that was like our first stab at it, and. I, I saw the writing on the wall. I was like, I'm not going to last at World another year. So I'm, I'm going to try to make another plan B. And then at the same time, Don's left blind around that time. So, and I don't know if you remember, but Rocco made this controversial ad that was a letter, a fake letter from Jason Lee to Mark Gonzalez saying like, hey, Mark, thanks for everything. But guess what? I'm taking over. Um, I'm going to have my own company with blind and, um, and we wish you all the best of luck. And Blind's mine now. And P.S. I have the Volvo, which is Mark's whole car or something like it. It was just what? It was really dirty. It was uh, Rocco trying to get under Mark's skin. You know what I mean? And he did that shit a lot. He actually, it's funny. I can't remember. I can't, it was someone told me Shiloh or someone recently told me, and I can't. It's driving me crazy because it's such a good factoid, but. Rodney had offered up 500 bucks to anybody who could go to Venice and hang out with me and find out the name of me and Jason's new company we were going to do. What? Yeah. By dead, dead ass. He's like, yeah, I'll give you 500 bucks. You come back to me by the end of the week with like the name of their company and what the logo looks like. Yeah. I didn't know Rodney was a slime ball like that. (laughs) No, this is, this is, uh, this is, I'm sorry, not Rodney. Rocco. Rocco. Rocco, I'm sorry. Okay, yo, Rocco. Right, Rocco, no, 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 no. Rocco is Rodney, a slime. Rodney didn't, no, he didn't tango like that. Okay, that's what I was like. I don't know Rocco. Sure, I don't know Rocco was a slime. Rocco, Rocco. And okay. Rocco did, I kind of, I, I got to backtrack because Rocco did the ad that, like, of Jason writing this fake letter and he's like smiling. It's like basically like, hey, I'm taking your company and your, your car. Later, bro. You know? What? Uh, and, and it really bummed Mike out. I mean, it really bummed Jason out, obviously, you know, because he had no bad feelings. He wasn't, he was bummed, you know. He was like, fuck, I don't, where's Mark going? And Mark was like being aloof and, you know, like, I think Jason wanted to go wherever Mark was going to go, in all honesty. So th- a little time passed, but I knew that Jason was bummed. We hung out a lot around the same time. Um, and just like, whatever, fucking smoke cigarettes and drink a bottle of wine and just like BS for hours about like art or music or whatever. And, um, and we, you know, we did a lot of hang time outside of skateboarding. So we knew each other's like t- sensibilities, you know? Um, and 
so I, I told Jason, I was like, hey, man, Christian Klein hit me up. Like, next thing you know, Chris, Jason's like, oh, really? Fuck. Well, so, you know, grab Jason. Brad catches one, and he's like, oh, what? If he can get Jason Lee involved, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll give those guys minimums, and we'll do this and that and the other thing, and we'll, we'll send them to Europe. And so, um, so that went down, and, you know, we started Blue Skateboards. And they were in Orange County, so you know we drive down every week or so, and or two, and like present them with a bunch of ideas and stuff. And they pretty much let us run the show for the most part. Um, but I honestly, I don't think I was quite creatively ready to run the show. You know, like it was like a test drive for stereo. Blue stuff was a little bit all over the place, like some graffiti influence art. Some was like <laughs> we actually had a stereo logo on a blue catalog. Like there's, I was, I was starting to get that influence from the first Blue Note book had come out around that time, and uh, my dad was a jazz musician. Okay. So when I first saw the first Blue Note book, which got published in like 92, 91, I think, ninety two, I I was like, oh my god, this is like my childhood came flooding back to me, and um, and even with Blue, I found all my graphic and like creative inspirations from like thrift stores. You know, like I would just be like, I can't afford to buy like crazy art books or anything so i just like do like crates of records and books art you know used art books and stuff and find like baroque paintings and be like yo this would be dope you know that's so Um, dope dude yeah and i was just out there you know i was like i don't and i was like this skateboarding was small enough to i was like i think we could do this thing that's like our own fucking thing the thebo that we were bummed on working with brad dorfman you know and um and there was some truth to it it was just like you know i mean if you look at where Deluxe was at, they really, really, really got it. Just like, I mean, they still do, but you know what I'm saying? And like, Brad was a little out of touch. Like, you know, and he was, he was grasping because he, you know, he was doing television, he was doing blue, but he really needed something to replace vision, you know? Yes, yes. Uh, so he, you know, there was a lot of pressure behind the scenes and I, you could just feel it, you know? I was like, this guy isn't making enough money. Like, you know, there's like fucking rows and rows and pallets and pallets of old, sims and vision boards you know like that you knew were never going anywhere you know what i mean and um and it just kind of had that thing hanging over his head like this huge warehouse of unsold product and um and so i i i've dug the opportunity and you know god bless him he let us take the creative reins um but you know thebo was like yeah you know deluxe and at the time deluxe was like thunder spitfire super kush and real skateboards was just getting started, you know. So people forget like, about Super Kush, dude. People forget yeah. about Super Kush. <laughs> it was my in like, and the shut crew used to get Spitfires sent to the warehouse, like back in the eight late eighties. Oh, word! Um, and 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 Jeff Clint was there, um, you know. Rest in peace. He was a big creative part of like you know bringing in stereo and uh, and. We pitched them all. The, you know, we, we drove up to California, I mean, to San Francisco, and pitched them all these ideas. I, I brought out napkins, record records, like fucking faxes. <laughs> <laughs> you were ready to go to work. Ate out, right? At some Italian restaurant. I had like all this shit just spewed out everywhere. And and Tommy was there as well. And, and they were like, we get this vibe. We're, we, we, this is, this is dope. Like, yeah, let's do the stereo. And it just one, it just spiraled. Like one thing happened to another, and you know, Tommy like found Matt Rodriguez and would bring in logo ideas because Tommy was super jazzed about a music-based company, being a musician. You know, um, Jeff Clint, you know, 
saw real through and and really got got that um let me just hold on one second let me just tell jay lee i'll call him back because he's trying to pick something up okay okay that's no problem good it's wcrp is always proud to see like mike carroll and you know like some of those cats rocking like stereo shirts you know um colin mckay um all this stuff so is that Clyde? yeah you want to say hi real quick what up Clyde? how <laughs> you doing is that jason What's up? Oh, what's up, man? How you doing? Holy shit, it's Jason Lee. <laughs> let's let Jay Lee get like five questions in my interview real quick. You got time? Yeah, I got to okay. bounce, but hey. Hey, how you doing, Jason? You guys. How's it going? It's good, man. Great to talk to you. Everything good with you? Long time no see. Long time no see. This is completely freaking me out. I think I'm getting I think so I'm getting freaking. shingles right now. <laughs> it's probably been decades since we've seen each other, huh? Yes, it absolutely has, Life man. Life is trippy like that. <laughs> yeah, man. I've been seeing all your photos and stuff. Everything's looking great, dude. Oh, that's so rad. And and man, it sounds like you're doing great. Yeah, man, just been doing the cooking thing and doing the podcast, and uh, yeah, I'm going to host Tampa this year. Everything's great, man. Can't complain. That's oh, that's beautiful, man. We're and Chris just, are still doing our thing thirty we're, years we're later, man. We were just talking about the beginning of stereo. Oh, like, that's so. Now we brought up to Jeff Clint, like you know, we brought a bunch of albums and like faxes, and now and look, drawings. all praise to Chris because the name Stereo was his idea. Um, he was really ahead of the curve, super sharp. Uh, it was his idea to bring stereo up to San Francisco, and we met with Jeff Clint at a diner, yeah. and we pitched him this <laughs> idea to do sort of like a mid-century kind of retro, um, kind of a blue note jazz influenced um, skate brand. And Jeff Clint was like, "Sounds good, let's do it." <laughs> wow, it, which was super I, rad, I was, and that was it. I was I was also telling this to thank you, Jason, and I, honestly, Jay's Jay Lee's like star power and power in skateboarding was a huge part of it like that was a huge huge part of it but um, i was telling the story about how when rocco like i had heard from mark mckee that rodney was maybe going to kick me off and i was so i started trying to find what was next christian klein hit me up from power edge and was like hey brad wants to start a brand like a month or two later rocco yeah. mark mark left blind and rocco made that fake ad of you yeah. writing a letter about mark to yeah, mark yeah, yeah yeah like hey mark um uh, it's so wild, dude. Guy yeah, and everybody. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, the Volvo drives really nice. Like, <laughs> you so know, like, yeah. And it, it was it was pretty dirty, you know, yeah, like Rocco style. And I, I don't know if you know this, Jason. But some one of those guys. I don't know if it was Shiloh or someone told me that when we left to do Blue, Rocco had offered up five hundred bucks to one of the world guys to come to my house in Venice and figure out the name and the logo of the company. And he was gonna like, you know, come up. <laughs> graphics to like combat it or whatever or like Whoa. make us look like idiots whoa <laughs> yeah he probably would have tried to buy it first was like i didn't take it of course i was like dude thank god oh, wow thank you. that's crazy but rocco thought he could buy anything at that point you know uh, them dudes were kind of broke so he probably almost did like you know <laughs> <laughs> It was yeah. good catching up with you, Jason, man. I'd love to get you on the show sometime, man. Anytime. All right, dude. Absolutely. Okay, brother, man. You have a great evening. Comes. I'm running errands. Then okay, I got to pick the kids up from, so from much, school. Man. Still putting the boards in. and uh, Yeah. Okay. Good, good to talk to you, Clyde. I'll talk to you again. Yes, sir. You have a great evening, man. All right. Take care, man. All right. Peace. Oh, 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 oh,
Yeah.